Welcome to the Televerse, streaming in place. Avatar, the last airbender. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Streaming in Place. We are here for week 13. We are talking about Avatar, the last airbender, season one or book one, water, uh, episodes five and six, the king of Mashu and imprisoned. And so many things to, to dive in with for this episode. But first, an anecdote. Allison. <laughs> well, now that I have the floor, um, I feel like th- this, the first of these two episodes, there's something really important that we have to talk about that uh, is kind of spoilery, um, not in terms of plot, but just in terms of everything. And I don't think that there is a way to avoid talking about that thing. Um, so this is my very light spoiler for Marcus and the Caldwells and whoever's listening. Apologies. If you really don't want to know this, I guess just don't listen to this episode. Um, uh, but as we were sitting down to watch the King of Amashu, we were, you know, in the first three, four minutes, however long it is. And at one point Tom was like, Hey, Allison, you have to make sure you're paying attention right now. Something really important is about to happen. I was like, Oh, Okay, so I'm just watching, right? And like nothing very much is happening, and a and a cart gets destroyed, and then he pauses it and he just looked at me. <laughs> I was like, "What? What?" He was like, "That, that's really important." And I was like, "Okay, <laughs> Wh- why?" And then, sure enough, moments later, he's back, and um, and that is how I learned that the Cabbage Merchant is an incredibly important part of the Avatar The Last Airbender universe. <laughs> He's arguably the linchpin of the entire thing, as we're going to discover. Uh, great. Yeah. Um, so that is, that is unfortunately the thing I am spoiling for Marks and the Caldwells is that's a runner. Um, is it fair to say, because, and granted, we're inching up on the place where I stopped watching. But, yeah. but my sense so far is that in a, in a probably less big blue and fuzzy way is that the cabbage merchant is sort of the Bebo, the God of war of the avatar, the last airbender universe, just like always there um, when you need him or maybe when you don't need him. Yes. Is that a decent comparison? He is always in the wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> so is- the opposite of Bebo. Yeah, the opposite of Bebo. Um, so there was a slate did a, like a quick oral history last week about the cabbage merchant. Um, and he was just a one-off basically to do like a establish like the guards and getting into the, getting into Omashu. And then they destroy the cabbage things. And he goes, my cabbages. And so it was like, oh, it's one done. You're over. Um, except writers kept putting him in their episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so which led them to keep having to bring back that voice actor to do one line of dialogue, um, which delighted the actor because he would just walk by people doing three to four hours of voice recording. And he comes in, does that one line and then leaves and gets his (laughs) check. (laughs) um so yes the cabbage merchant becomes a runner i think he shows up once or twice more this season and then a few times in season two and then i think maybe only once in season three um and then he has a very pivotal part in legend of korra (laughs) yeah i was so excited when we got to that i was like oh yeah the cabbage merchant is here for the rest of it was very nearly the picture for this episode but i couldn't find a resolution that i was happy with so instead we have a different one that looks you know more impressive with the actual king but you know cabbage merchant very important 
obviously moment in after the last airbender um let's talk about amashu and the let's start with let's start with start with the king so uh how are we feeling about the king when did we uh when did we figure out the twist how on board are we because i pretty much love this episode yeah, I think this is my favorite episode so far. Uh, no, I know this is my favorite episode so far. I don't know that I would say it's my favorite episode of all of the episodes I've seen, mm-hmm. in like the 13 or whatever that I've seen. Um, but I just um, really, really enjoyed it. I am a very gullible viewer most times, so I didn't guess it at all. Um, unless I'm on the lookout for... If I'm on the lookout for a twist, like, say, in Cases of the Week in Lucifer, then I can spot things almost immediately. But if I'm not, I just sort of watch and I'm starry-eyed and enjoy it, and then I get to be surprised, and it's great. Um, and it just never occurred to me that anyone that Ang knew could still be alive. So it didn't even seem like a possibility. And I think it was such a, like, a delightful twist but also a a really pure moment of joy that's not necessarily that's i guess that's darkened in a different way than by unendurable loss as opposed to just like the this incredible gap between these two people and everything that's happened in the time they were apart but there's a reunion and it's so nice and so charming and lovely and it's so um sort of classic fairy tale form in that you meet the trickster who you think is your adversary, but really they're trying to guide you to a new way of thinking and all. It just is checked all of my boxes. I liked it so, so much from the very beginning, right through the end. Uh, And I really hope that King Boomy comes back. (laughs) I mean, he finally gets a win. Like it's like you say, it's bittersweet, but it's, it's, it's a win. We're counting it. And he, uh, man, it's so, it's so lovely. Um, Marcus, uh, uh, like figured it out right away. Um, so, did you figure it out Marcus as soon as he appeared and then everything <laughs> that happened confirmed my theory until it was revealed. Whereas Scotty says, yeah, I never see anything coming. I'm a, I'm a simple dope. And Keenan says, I am normally a simple dope, but I did guess this one right off the bat, which surprised me. Um, uh, that, that variety of responses i think um speaks to the art design and the the character design and having the eyes be a thread but mm-hmm. i think the, i think they did look different enough that it wasn't like a giant spotlight if you weren't looking for it you could still kind of go on the journey with the episode but um there was plenty there that made sense like is he sees he sees uh, uh, and immediately recognizes him they show the reaction right but if that could either be hey look it's my friend <laughs> from all those years ago or it could be ah it's the avatar i've heard that they're back kind of a thing so mm-hmm. um yeah it was a good it was a good blend of things keenan says it was absolutely the character design that tipped me off and marcus says yeah the age with the and the face is recognizable so again it's just this world building and this attention to detail um that i think the animators are really nailing yeah i um will say i think this one benefited as much as i liked it the first time and i was very very charmed by it the first time i watched it um I think this benefits a lot from rewatching because the second time around I was able to pick up on all those little details and a bunch of other really small world building things that it's this joyful, jubilant episode and the threat of danger is there, but but it doesn't really seem all that dangerous. What seems dangerous is the um, robust military presence and the fact that they are prepared for obviously like a catastrophic threat. Um I think that 
I just think it's really well done. And I was able to appreciate all those things more in a second viewing, knowing both what's coming and knowing the end of this episode. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think these two episodes are really good uh, partners back to back because in this episode in Amashu, right, we're seeing the powers of the earth kingdom and like earth bending there. It's a really good way to introduce that all the walls, like only an earth bender can open them and they're really thick and deep. Um, but then you go, to in in our next episode you just the complete destruction of a village uh because and uh, through making sure they can isolate and take away all of their earthbenders because you know and and if they don't look what happens what happens is is amashu so like there's a lot you know first they establish the earth kingdom and then they show um that amashu is not template it's very likely an exception um and it's also very isolated so like the top of a rocky thing it's not like you know the the geography is helping their security as well but um to undercut the potential might of the earth like the earth nation in general with imprisoned i think is really smart to keep the scales balanced in you know the sense of the the real threat of the fire kingdom um fire nation so i kingdom and nation i get i get those uh, turned around in my brain. Uh, Noel, did you did you love this one as much as as we did on rewatch? I do. Yeah, I've always enjoyed this episode because I like Boomy a lot. Um, I remember I remember if like when I watched this in like the mid aughts, I think I clocked it immediately. I did not clock that Boomy would be shredded like lettuce um, <laughs> when he took off all his robes, and it was just like boom. Um, but watching it um, again this time, I did notice the. F- the fact, and I missed this like all the other times I'd watched it. And this is something that's only going to make reference for me and Kate, so I apologize. But his whole posture and everything is very, um, whatchamacallit, like very much like a mecca from Evangelion, if you remember mm-hmm. the, how they stood Kate. How Boomy yeah. stands is very much like that, which is, I feel like, a really deliberate callback because these guys love their anime. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to watch Neon Genesis Evangelion, it's also on Netflix. It's very depressing. Um, <laughs> I also thought of um, who is the character, the Meister in Game of Thrones, who adopts a hunch. And we figure that out in the one episode where they mm-hmm. you probably haven't seen it in all the one episode where then they're showing him with his prostitute and he's like standing up tall and he's fine. And then he goes to leave. And he puts the robe back on, puts the chain, hunches and starts like stuttering yeah. with his feet, you know, and he jumps. I'm you know, I'm no Game of Thrones fan, but that sequence is pretty great because he he jumps be- to like stretch his muscles out because of the obvious strain on his back. And yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so it's. It's really good. And I think the other thing about both of these episodes, which you alluded to, Kate, is gets teased a little bit in the um, in the Warriors of Kiyoshi episode where Zhao's like, we're finally going to defeat the Earth Kingdom. We're so close. Because the Earth Kingdom's been holding out for 100 years, basically, through various means that we'll learn more about. But like, the big reason being, Omashu's really hard to break into, like, because the walls are big. And because it turns out, fire's not super effective against big slabs of stone. Um, so I think that, like, the rock, paper, scissors kind of thing that the power, the different types of bending allows for fun narrative things. The flip side of that is, is then you get something like Imprisoned. Um, that kind of deals with it, but I also just, and quick tangent, they do the imprisoned storyline in the live action movie. Mm. Except for the fact that they're keeping all the earthbenders 
in a forest where there's still earth to bend. Wow. And yet they're not bending anything because their spirits okay. have been broken. Okay. And it's like, no, that's not how any of this works. I have a very important question. Assuming yes. we're all still streaming in place when we finish the run of the show, um, and yes. why wouldn't we be? The answer uh, is yes. I know what you're going to ask. We're going to get drunk and watch the, yes. the movie, right? Yes. I've been well, and I'm assuming your next question is, Allison, will you please develop a drinking game for us while Noel drinks gin with an ice cube or ginger ale, uh, and Kate drinks a nice dark beer, and Allison drinks something off of her bar cart? Will you develop a drinking game for us to yes, play? Obviously. And yeah. the answer, of course, is yes. I, you know, I'm proud to serve. Um, <laughs> this is. My I mean, moment. technically, we can do it at the end of this season because it only covers book one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be up for it by then. Yeah, I, I think know. maybe like a little end of all three seasons okay. party. All right. So, yeah, no. So King, the King of Amashu is just really great. And it's very funny while still doing like a whole, like you were saying, like fairy tale sort of thing of you, you need to you need to start thinking differently because you're not fully committed to this fight yet. But all of us need you to be committed to this fight is sort of like the unstated thing of Boomy's lesson here is. We need you right now. <laughs> We're on the tipping point <laughs> type of deal. So, I've, and in prison drives that home, I think, really, really well. Yeah. And I, I am willing to kill your friends. I know who you are, and I will kill your friends if you don't With step rock up. candy. It's With delicious. Rock candy. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing I really like, there's a couple of things I wanted to mention about um, Amashu, actually three, before I move on for me onto uh, Imprisoned. And first of all, um, it just made this episode with all the stuff in the, the carts made me, of course, think of that recent not Amazon episode of Doctor Who and how this one is so much better <laughs> um, with the was it Space Amazon? I don't even remember uh, when yeah. they're going on. There's a moment where they go on. Kerblam. On, You're talking kerblam. about Kerblam. Thank you. When they, there's a moment where they go onto the conveyor belts and. And you're like, okay, because you know they have to as soon as you see it, right? It's going to ha have to happen. And then it's just nowhere near as interesting or fun as this one is. Uh, so that was one thing. Um, also, I love the that it really introduces earthbending so well. Not just that Boomy is a badass, but also the the nuance in earthbending, which we have not seen in firebending. And I, I think it's going to be a good long while before we see in, in firebending. But like when he... You know, so he's doing things with rocks, he's doing all sorts of things, and then he turns the ground into quicksand or into sand. And it's like, oh, this is a whole other level. And you could get that, I think, very easily with water bending. Yeah, but it's gonna be harder to show that nuance with air and with fire. And so to see it right off the bat for the earth bending, I think is really terrific and um shows why the earth kingdom is the one that's standing. Um, like you, like you were saying, Noel, the rock, paper, scissors of it all. And then the last one is we got to just take a moment for some of the storyboarding and like the freeze frame in the <laughs> middle of the training. It's just, it's so good. I was like, you're waiting for the n narration to kick in with, I guess you're wondering how I got here, but it does it, which is so much better. Oh, it's great. It's so fun. Yeah. It's, um, that shot in particular is a hoot, but I think the entire, um, sledding sliding sequence is really top-notch um 
from the uh the spears coming down behind them and ang hearing like oh yeah i can use it to make us go faster and all of the various things they interrupt i was particularly tickled by the man tranquilly painting the vase that he has obviously potted himself and all just and you know what's coming you know what's coming and then also the um when you see the boards uh, that they can slide up like a ramp and then they yes. just crash through them. It's the best joke. It's genius. It's so funny. That's that's literally my favorite joke in this whole thing is like, oh, no, they're just going <laughs> to go right through it. Oh, it's great. Thank you, show. Because there's no way that they would just be able to do that. <laughs> It's very good. Well, let's move on to imprisoned. Oh, Marcus says, I empathize with the cabbage merchant. They caused so much damage. I was thinking of those roofs, those poor people who have to like retile their, in my head that they're clay tiles so they can earth bend them pretty quickly and it won't be too bad. So then I don't feel too bad. But they have to repaint them though. Oh, well, there's that. Yeah. Yeah. There's no paint bending. There is no paint bending. Depends on what the paint is made of though. Uh Aha. Ah. (laughs) <laughs> Anyways, uh, let's talk about Imprisoned and shout out to, to Kay. Um, mm-hmm. when I think I, maybe not the first stunt casting, but what feels like the first stunt casting. And he's terrific. Super fun. And um, I the other thing I really um, enjoyed and was uh, very... Uh, I was very, enjo- very connected with in this episode, I guess, um, was I thought it was a good balance of... Oh, that's cute. Inspirational speech. These people have been imprisoned for who knows how long. They've been in a war for a hundred years. Your your speech isn't gonna do anything. Um and also, um I like that there's a range of responses from the prisoners. I like that there's a real sense of just how powerful um these people are. There's a reason they're out in the middle of nowhere. Um and while yes, they should be able to still there's still earth, it's just really far down, right? They should be able to still have some ability to access their earth bending. I liked that this feels like the kind of thing that could be a tipping point, um, and really shake up the dynamics and it gets its own episode that is not at all about that. It's it's I mean it's about that subtextually, but the episode is not about we must save these people because that will change the balance of the war. We have to save these people because we have to save any person. Um, I thought it was really, really well done. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I like your point from earlier about how well these two work together. Um, they're obviously not anything like a two-parter, but I think the contrast is really useful and um, effective. Uh, it's also nice to see them amidst all of this still behaving like kids um you know they're they're uh we're gonna make um katara look like an earthbender plan is hilarious mm-hmm. uh ang barely paying attention felt really honest uh the gag of the guards thinking it was momo was just everything that i ever wanted um but i especially was taken by how um ineffective Katara's initial let's get inspired and fight back speech was. And it was um, a good speech. It just, was a good speech. It's just, yeah. it, it's an interesting 
thematic point that like it's not enough to just believe in yourself but at the same time there's an incredible amount of power in that and you never know when the right moment is because the the things that are necessary for that uprising to happen at the end is Katara has to make this stand and this sacrifice she has to be brave enough to go in there in the first place she has to make this stand and be prepared to make this sacrifice she has to have earned the friendship and loyalty of I'm sorry what is her earthbender buddy's name I don't remember his name off the top of my head Haru Okay, thank you. Um, she has to earn his friendship and loyalty. Then his dad has to want to protect him. And then that is sort of the straw that breaks the camel's back or busts the dam open, whichever metaphor you like. Um, and that feels very honest. Both of the, both of those things feel true that it's not enough to simply be like, you can do it. It's time to fight back. And that fighting back is actually sometimes all that you need to do. That is enough because there are all of these other factors at work too. I thought it was really emotionally sensitive and thoughtful. Well, and if Haru isn't there, I don't think the, uh, I don't think it happens because you need someone there who he, he's just newly there. He's mm-hmm. been there like a day. So he has not been just ground down yet the way that the others have. And if he's not there, you know, Katara needs to be there, but Haru needs to be there. And his father has to happen to be in the same camp too. And if the, all those things line up, then, you know, this is where we, we, we wind up. And I also, I mean, I mentioned that it's a good speech because it would be a lot easier to make, try to make that point about like a speech isn't enough if they didn't give her a good speech, but it's a good speech, you know, like they, they don't take that easy way out of like, you can do it. <laughs> and everybody's right. like, they, they do the, the sweeping music and just, then they cut back to her and it's just, she's so, she's isolated in the frame. She's so small. Um, yeah. So I, I, I thought it really worked. Um, we, Marcus says, uh, I, I feel like this episode was a little overstuffed. They had too much story to tell in 22 minutes and some of the scenes show. And yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot happening. Definitely. And Scotty says, um, this may be a reach, but I felt like moments of this episode really resonated with today. Katara's running in with her speech and, and the fire feels kind of like new people joining a movement with lots of, lots of fire, but that's not enough. You need support from the longtime activists and the warden of the prison is just a bonkers. Well done depiction of ignorance and inadequacy being given power and how disastrous that is. He's cruel and vicious, but also out of his depth. So he undermines his own work, uh, throwing the captain overboard. And yeah, yeah, definitely agree. You're going to run into a lot of, um, well done depictions of ignorance and inadequacy in the fire nation. I'm afraid. Um, (laughs) Especially, like, within certain corners of it. Um, it's just bound to happen. Um, so, But you need that little bit of a cheat narratively so that we can have some wins as well. Um, because there are some Fire Nation folks who are not inadequate and not ignorant. Yeah. Even of narrative conventions. <laughs> um, and so I think that that's sort of, like, the key is that everything you both all have said is, like, yeah. No, because none of it works without, like, these particular dominoes hitting. Um, but also none of it works without Aang sneaking aboard and airbending a bunch of coal up um, mm-hmm. to give them something to earthbend as well. So they need both all of that and then this thing that actually where their power derives from. Um <coughs> So I, I do think it's a good episode. I do agree with Marcus that the episode's a little overstuffed. I think that there's a little 
too much in here to get to there's a lot of time that we have to spend before we can get to the ocean platform um to actually do the thing that we want to do as opposed to just tell the story about the fire nation suppressing this um village and conscripting folks into slave labor for their off offshore mining um platform so i th- i think it is a little too much but given the th- crux of the episode in terms of really letting us know what earthbenders are capable of not just like maybe the highly trained ones like boomy uh but more like run-of-the-mill folks um and then to also show us like some of the stuff the fire nation is doing as well because we haven't seen like the fire nation in charge of anything just yet we've seen zuko's ship we've seen zao's base but we haven't seen them like as a occupying presence yet so that was also something that was kind of important that we start as the characters move inland basically we start they start to get more exposure to the war um and i think gradually building that is really important and i think that this episode is a nice introductory step to all of that um i do have one question though for allison and also for um the caldwells and marcus is how are you feeling about, well, sorry, do you need an explanation of some kind of why some people are benders and some people are not? Um, I mean, if you have one, I would love one, but it There is not one. There is not one? Great. No. No, I mean, I feel like... Well, midichlorians, but otherwise. <laughs> um, I think that I'm... It's just so baked into the way that we tell fantasy stories and science fiction stories that some people have abilities and some don't. And often there's no rhyme or reason. I mean, sometimes it's hereditary and sometimes there's no rhyme or reason um, that I I just accepted it. Um, It also seems a little bit like they they talk about um, bending in some ways as though it's a myth, even though it's obvious that there are still benders in among them even if they're more rare now so um yeah i guess i like i it didn't occur to me that i would need one yeah okay yeah i was just curious because it's not really a thing they don't discuss like how or why some people have it or not um and marcus asks how many benders are there what proportion of the population gets bending abilities great question no one knows um <laughs> it, this is more of an issue in legend of Korra. um where that actually becomes like an actual issue. Um, but here your point, Allison, about like airbending in particular is basically just a myth at this point. The avatar is a myth at this point. Um, and waterbenders are really scarce. Like almost all of them are located up in the North pole. They don't leave because again, rock, paper, scissors, waterbending and firebending, not the best thing. Um, and I think that that's, that's sort of like the, where it is, is like, Plenty of firebenders out there for obvious reasons and plenty of earthbenders, but they're also concerned with other things in terms of just trying to survive. So I think that there's just like this, that is what's baked in is like everyone kind of thinks that airbending of the avatar is just a big myth at this point. Um, but everything else is commonplace enough for various reasons, but depending on where you are as well. Um, but yeah, no, there's no explanation for why some people bend, can bend and other people can't. Mm. Yeah. But yeah. I was just curious because I was mm. thinking about that in this episode because I was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, this is something that the show literally never addresses, <laughs> I think. I'm pretty sure, Kate, if you can remind me, but I don't think anyone really talks about it. 
Well, it's really striking and imprisoned because there's a lot of people there. There's a yeah. big, and if that's just supposed to be from their village, that's a huge amount of people. So in my headcanon, that is from a bunch of different villages. They just have all been stuck there because it's so remote. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, like, you know, I was, I was watching this one again going, oh, uh, this is a giant, like, this is a lot, a lot, a lot of earthbenders. And we've seen how powerful earthbending is. So if all of these people get free, like, it's, maybe it's not a good idea to put, like, kind of basically end up with an elite squad <laughs> that as long as they don't break out, you're fine. But if they do, then they could be their own little, like, um, like platoon that just goes on the attack and really messes up all of your plans. And we will see what happens with that if they come back or not. But, um, yeah, the the proportions are can be it, you know it's really striking at this part in the in the run right it really stands out because airbenders are just gone and waterbenders are very rare compared like over the course of the like the world you know like they're all at the North Pole whichever ones there are um, but earthbenders are much more prevalent because I mean the sense I got is um, at least in Omashu and probably other places as well, they were identified as a major defensive asset um, and, and really um, cultivated and like trained and a lot of effort put into like helping um, shore up defenses with earthbending and therefore making sure that they were seeking out people and training people from all over the place um, and concentrating them in Omashu and some of these other cities. And, you know, yeah. as a counterpoint, the fire nation doing their best to really, uh, squash it out as much as they can. Marcus says the Earth Nation seems to be much larger than water and air were. Yes. I think currently yes. Yeah. The Earth the Earth Kingdom is also just huge, like geographically yeah. speaking in the map. Um it's just really, really massive. Um whereas the Water Tribe and the Air Nomads were really isolated pockets for the most part um in terms of like where they were situated. Because the Air Nomads basically stuck to their temples and the waterbenders were, for the most part, located at the poles, um, though there are some other waterbenders out there. That also, to me, just speaks to who the Fire Nation has spent the last hundred years attacking. Mm-hmm. And first they took out air, and then they dramatically winnowed down water. Because water is going to be more defense, more it's like if you're if you're fire and you're being defensive, like. It, Earth is not going to take on fire as well as water is. So the bigger threat is water. So they went after water next is my head cannon. And yeah. then it's been a, just a check back and check, you know, game of chess back and forth with earth nation. Yeah. Yeah. Makes Does anybody have any questions or thoughts about these episodes? They want to, that we haven't hit up, uh, drop it in the chat, Marcus Keenan and Scotty. Otherwise final thoughts on these episodes and, um, I, you know, I would say what we hope comes next, but you guys already know because we've all seen it <laughs> until Friday. Then we'll catch up to where you're at, Allison. Um, so Noel, any final thoughts? Uh, just really solid introduction to Earthbending. We've seen all our four elements in action, and I'm very excited that now we get to introduce into a whole other aspect of the Avatar: Last Air and Airbender space in the next two episodes. Um. I just think earthbending is so cool. It's it's the one where I was like, oh god, the possibilities, the the things that you could do. 
defensively, architecturally, scientifically, like just when Boomy went backwards into the earth and then popped up on that. I was like, holy crap, this is so cool. Um, Can we just skip to book two? Can we just skip to book two? (laughs) Baby steps to book two. (laughs) Um, I am just still riding very high on the series and rewatching has been, this is going to sound like I wasn't thinking positively about the show before and I was, but it's been more enjoyable than I thought it would be because mm-hmm. I watched it, you know, five minutes ago. So rewatching yeah. it didn't seem like it was going to be that eye opening, but I was surprised by these two episodes in particular, how much I got out of a second viewing, uh, which I think speaks to their quality overall. Yeah. The last thing I'll mention, cause we haven't yet is I think this was a good break from angry fire kid. And Uncle Eero, as much as we love him, but it was good to have a little break. We still get Dante Basco because he voices Haru just in a lower and a higher <laughs> register. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, and, you know, so they'll be they'll be back and um, it, it, we'll be talking about them next time. But uh, but yeah, I thought it was good that we got a little break from angsty fire drama. And he said we got a very different look at the Fire Nation. So or the, 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 the is it what is it? it's fire? What? I think it's Fire Nation. Yeah, so Fire, Fire Nation, Nation, Earth Nation, Air Nomads, and Water Tribe. So Fire Nation, Earth Kingdom. Kingdom, thank you. Air Nomads, Water Tribe. Okay. So yeah. Water it, tribe. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was nice to um to get a little different look at different things happening in, in the Fire King in, in the Fire Nation. So yeah. Well, tomorrow we're gonna be back to talk about the next two episodes of Avatar the Last Airbender, which are the Winter Solstice, part one and part two. So it's our first two parter. The two parters this uh season line up very nicely, so that it's very convenient for us. Um and that, that will wrap up our conversation. <laughs> yep. Sky so says I'm starting to wonder who we're gonna meet again and uh, spe- specifically of the Earthbenders. And um Noel uh, is taking a long sip of water so <laughs> we'll find out when we get there but that's gonna wrap up our conversation so thank you to keenan scotty and marcus for hanging out with us as always in the zoom and thank you everyone for listening we'll be back tomorrow bye 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 bye